This is The Drive with Dale Lally and Matt Williamson on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome to The Drive. I'm Dale Lally here with Matt Williamson. We apologize. Yeah, Jacob, we got to get that... Ants marching garbage out of the, the rotation. And really, we should have had some Zeppelin. For we Tony. should have had some Zeppelin for Tony, uh, our guest, uh, Tony Pauline uh, of the Pro Football Network. Uh, Tony joined us last year at the Combine. Uh, I've talked to Tony over the years, uh, back going back to our days with Scout. And uh, Tony, how you doing? I'm okay. I, I miss seeing you guys at the Combine, and I miss my uh, Zeppelin conversations with Matt. They're always interesting. <laughs> <laughs> no question, bud. This is a uh, an interesting time of the year, especially uh, for people like yourself who are uh, focused in on the draft. And, Tony, I, I've got your uh, your big board up here in front of me. And, of course, like everybody else, you have Trevor Lawrence, number one, on your on your big board. But you have uh, some interesting guys after that, and this that everybody has for the most part has Trevor Lawrence number one. Sure, I, I've seen a couple of guys like Chris Sims. I think had had Kyle yeah, Wilson, Wilson yeah. Uh, or Zach Wilson ahead of him. Uh, but that order of those other guys in the top ten um, kind of depends on who's who's ranking them. I would say so. Plus, you know, I mean, a lot of these guys we did not have the combine this year, so these guys didn't get to work out. Whether it be the testing, whether it be the positional drills, we are basically so, solely lying, uh, relying, I should say, on the pro day workouts. And you know, most of those guys, except for really Devonta Smith in my top ten, are, are, are all underclassmen. And when you have underclassmen, it means you have a lack of really concrete information on many of these guys. So you rank them the way you see them, and then you've got to adjust as those true measurables, the true 40 times, things like that start to pour in. Well, not only that, but I'm looking here, and <laughs> the guys you have ranked right after Trevor Lawrence, Jamar Chase and Panay Sewell, also opted out. A- absolutely. So you're relying on 2019 film. I, I think it's the opt-out really isn't going to hurt those guys that much because – Literally from the time both of those players, Chase and Sewell, stepped on the field as freshmen, you knew they were big-time prospects because of the way they played. So you would have preferred that they played in 2020. I think there were other players who opted out who kind of hurt themselves, and we'll find that on draft day. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you, you make a good point. Whether it's Jamar Chase or Penny Sewell, Celeb Farley down, further down the line, if some of the other guys that opted out, you're basically going to go, you're going to have to rely on old information or at least old film to come to your grade and come to your uh, opinion on the player. Tony, I, I, I want to have I have all kinds of draft stuff I want to bounce off you, but Tony's also really dialed in with the league and rumors and stuff going on behind the scenes. I know you have a Deshaun Watson take or possible destination, or what's your thoughts on that situation right now? When the whole situation broke and Deshaun Watson said he wanted to be traded and there were inklings that he wanted out of Houston, everybody was pointing the finger or figuring he was on his way to the New York Jets, who probably need a quarterback, have a ton of draft capital to move. And really with uh, Joe Douglas, uh, it'll be, it would be Joe Douglas's quarterback. Uh, and, and Jet fans here in New York wanted that trade to happen a month ago. I, I, that's very unlikely to happen. 
People in the media tell, believe that he's going to end up in, in Miami. Miami also has some draft capital. They got the third pick on this year's draft. They've got uh, Tua, who, if they trade for Deshaun Watson, obviously it's very likely Tua will be in that, uh, included in the package. So you're looking at you know, a pair of top five picks plus additional uh, draft selections being moved to Houston. But the more and more I talk to people inside the league, the more and more they say <clears throat> if he gets moved, he's going to end up in Carolina because the Carolina owner, David Tepper, is hell-bent on bringing Deshaun Watson to Carolina. And this was the same guy who I think surprised everybody and wouldn't let Matt Rule out of the building a year ago before signing him signing into a huge contract and giving him almost an abundant amount of powers. So uh, everybody – it's not just the owner, though. Everyone else, the new general manager, Scott Fritterer, uh, the head coach, they all seem to be in line with bringing Deshaun Watson to Carolina. So league insiders tell me – they've told me for a couple of weeks now that Carolina – they feel Carolina is probably a slight favorite right now if a trade happens for Deshaun Watson. But nothing is imminent. It's not like it's going to happen in a week or so. Obviously, you know, Deshaun Watson's in the, in the uh, headlines these days. You'll have to wait and see what happens with that. I think it'll be uh, – if he's moved, it will be much closer to, to uh, draft weekend. Our guest is uh, Tony Pauline of the Pro Football Network. And uh, th- to your point with that, Tony, I think right now he's untradeable. As good as he is, he could be looking at a very long suspension here. Potentially. You know, these are allegations, and they're just that, and there's no criminal investigation as of yet. So, uh, you know... It, hey, we're, we're in Pittsburgh, Tony. We saw Ben Roethlisberger get suspended for six games for, for with no criminal charges filed. I, I, I understand that. And, again, these are allegations at this point in time. We'll just leave it at that. I mean, I still don't know that he's undraftable because even if he's suspended... There's going to be a team that says, okay, listen, you know, we saw what happened with Kareem Hunt. We'll, we'll, we'll wait out that uh, suspension and, and bring the guy in if, in fact, that happens. Tony, uh, I, people can find your quarterback rankings in this draft, but your hunch, what order do you think they'll end up falling, you know, whether you agree with it or not? I think it's going to be Trevor Lawrence, number one. I think that's uh, really mm-hmm. part of the reason why Urban Meyer took that job in Jacksonville. I think Zach Wilson is going to go number two uh, to the New York Jets. It gets a little hazy after that. I think Trey Lance could be selected before Justin Fields. Then it'll be Mac Jones. The sleeper right now, when I say sleeper, the guy who can make a big move and maybe peek into the late part of the first round is Kellen Mond of Texas Mm. A&M, who's been gaining a lot of traction and a lot of momentum the past couple of weeks. Interesting. Yeah, he was my sleeper. Matt and I do uh, a, a, a triple take with another uh, another uh, guy that, that in the media here in Pittsburgh for the Steelers dot com, and he was my sleeper quarterback. Uh, really liked what I. I mean, he, he didn't have a great week of Senior Bowl practices, but I thought he played well in the game, and that's to me I put more weight on on what they do. You know, after having all all that stuff thrown at them. Uh, over the course of the Senior Bowl week, if he can go out there and play in the game, that that may, means a little bit more than me. But uh, Tony, it, it, the Steelers sitting at twenty four, and they just, of course, brought back Juju Smith Schuster, but also said that, uh, hey, we're gonna we're gonna allow Stephen Nelson to explore a trade. Does that move cornerback into the into the equation for them at twenty four? It may. 
today, although I think, you know, one of the top cornerbacks like a J.C. Horn or somebody would have to fall to them uh, in order uh, for a cornerback to be selected there. Maybe a Kelvin Joseph of Kentucky, he, uh, if he runs well, he fits that system. But with the holes on the offensive line, I, I think that's an area that they're really going to have to address. And the fact is, very likely when they are called to the clock, you know, whatever offensive tackle is still on the board is going to be rated significantly higher than any other cornerback that uh, would be on the board at that time. Tony, we often use the uh, exceptional Pro Football Network uh, mock draft simulator (laughs) here on this show, and I know you guys have some things to do with that. Often at 24, we end up with Javante Williams or Najee Harris, mostly because we feel like there's a big drop-off to the other bell cow type backs. Tackle makes tons of sense. Do you have a preference between Williams and Harris, and is it distinctive to you at this point? Uh, It's Najee Harris all along. It it always has been. I I feel he's the number one back in this draft, as I said all along. He's a mid-first-round talent who I think plays a day-two position. He's much more complete than Javante Williams. I like Javante Williams. I love Najee Harris. Uh, he's, probably, he's bigger than uh, Javante Williams. He's probably he's definitely better around the corner than Javante Williams. Better pass uh, pass catcher. Really a, a three down back. And you know why I like Javante Williams it could be for the better. It could not be. It may be for the worse. Remember he shared the ball at North Carolina uh, with Michael Carter, where Najee Harris was the back, the number one ball carrier. Uh, at Alabama for four years, and he knows what it means to be a feature runner at the next level. I think both players are go- uh, you know, would be terrific fits uh, for the, for the uh, Steelers system, but I like Najee Harris better. Tony, uh, one thing that, uh, that, that we've uh, looked at recently um, is this inside linebacker position uh, in this year's draft, and I think it's, I think it's kind of the, the most more underrated position in this year's draft. I, th- I, I when we were studying these guys, I was coming up with, with 10, 11, 12 guys that I looked at and went, boy, that guy would look good. Uh, that guy looks I like the way he moves in space. There, there, it's just a lot of depth at that position this year, and I don't think anybody's really talking about it. And there's a lot of versatility. I mean, there's a lot of three-down defenders. You, you know, you, you, you look at uh, Jeremiah. I'm not even going to try and pronounce his last name. Wosu Kuramura. Thank you. From Notre Dame. I mean, he's obviously at the top. Uh, I like Dylan Moses of Alabama a lot. I know he didn't play or he didn't have the great stats this year uh, coming off the knee injury, but he was, more, he was asked more to stay with responsibilities, stay with more you know, gap assignments and that sort of thing rather than make, making plays on the ball. Baron Browning of Ohio State, great athlete, developing into a football player. Uh, Jabril Cox of LSU by way of North Dakota State, another three-down defender. And then even later on, you got sleepers. Make sure you watch Derek Barnes of Purdue. Hmm. Uh, slightly under six foot one, two hundred forty-five pounds. He runs well. He's a heavy hitter. He's instinctive. Stacks well against the run. Can drop in the coverage. You know the, his tape at Purdue was outstanding. And when I was sitting with scouts at the Senior Bowl, they were amazed how easily he was able to stick with running backs and tight ends downfield and coverage drills. So. I would agree with you. I mean, some of these guys, Ernest Jones of South Carolina, a guy who's more of a you know, two-down run defender, but he's very good at that. You'll be able to get, I believe, inside linebackers through day three of the draft, Justin Hilliard of Ohio State, a guy who wasn't even mentioned coming into the season, 
had a knockout campaign in 2020. Now he looks like a, uh, a mid-day three selection. The opposite seems to be true at defensive tackle, no matter what size and shape you're after. I mean, whether it's a, a longer Cam Hayward, Stephon Tua type, or a nose, or somewhere in between, those lines are blurrier than ever. I mean, I certainly don't think the Steelers are going that direction super early in the draft, but is there two or three guys that you know maybe would be some value? It's a, it's a rough group. Yeah, no first-rounders. I mean, some people have Christian Barmore going in the first round. I still grade him as a second-round prospect. All of these guys have issues in one way or another in their game. Barmore, he's really not very strong at the point of attack. He's more of a first-step uh, first lineman. The kid from Washington, he's explosive, he's quick, but he's not a real stout sort of uh, yeah. defensive tackle, 290 pounds. I like Davion Nixon a lot. But I think he's going to uh, be pegged as a, a two-down defensive lineman, not a good pass rusher. I don't think that's uh, correct. You know, if you're looking for a guy later on in the draft, day three, Aleem McNeil of North Carolina State is a guy to keep an eye on. Only goes about six foot one, 310 pounds, but he moves exceptionally well, shows the ability, you know, to hold the point. I'm not Dale, comp- big- Dale compares him to Javon Hargrave a lot. I think that's a good comparison. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not a big fan of the way Marvin Wilson of Florida State has played the past two years, but if you go back to Marvin Wilson's film as a sophomore, I mean, he looked like he was going to be the next coming and the next great lineman from the Florida State program. Six three and a half, three hundred nineteen pounds, and he's athletic. So it's just a matter of you know getting in his head and figuring what's going on, and can you get him back to the level he was in 2018. And even, you know, later on in the draft, a guy like Naquan Jones of Michigan State, as I said to a scout yesterday, and he agreed with me, Naquan Jones is a third-round talent who plays like a free agent. So it's just a matter (laughs) of, you know, getting between the ears, lighting a fire underneath his rear end, and getting him to play up to his level of ability. If you can do that, you've got a real good player on your hands. What about uh, the guy uh, who who just worked out yesterday, Milton Williams out of Louisiana Tech? Uh, yeah. Just put up ridiculous numbers, uh, but has some, you know, obvious drawbacks, uh, short arms, that kind of stuff. But obviously, athletically, um, you could be getting a steal there you know, on day three. Oh, well. <laughs> Maybe not day, <laughs> Maybe not day three after, after what he did yesterday. You know, and, and again, if you've been following us at Pro Football Network, I've been on this guy actually since last summer, but I talked about how he's going to test uh, off the charts in December when he announced that he was going to enter the draft. He's going to go very early. I don't think short arms is a big issue for defensive linemen. Some people like him at defensive line, some uh, defensive end. Some people like him at defensive tackle. You know, the thing with uh, Williams was he didn't have any gaudy stats last year, and I wondered about that, how a guy that's so big and so athletic and so explosive, you know, the stat sheet wasn't that great. I was told by people at Louisiana Tech The reason is is he wasn't asked to make plays. He was asked to basically occupy the gaps, occupy the blockers, and let his teammates run to the ball. Well, that's just bad coaching. (laughs) I asked that. And the funny thing is, is, uh, let's take it one step further. It was the same situation a year ago with a guy by the name of Jarius Sneed, the defensive back from Louisiana Tech, who was a knockout corner as a sophomore and junior then they moved him more to a safety position where they asked him just to patrol center field, <laughs> and he really made no plays in 2019. The Kansas City Chiefs watched the earlier film on him, 
took him in the fourth round, and he turned out to, you know, they used him the way he should be used, and he was turned out to be one of the, you know, the better defensive, uh, rookie defensive backs last year. So it, it's sort of that situation. I think right now, I had a coach call me from, who was leaving the workout uh, this morning, who, who was in, uh, who was traveling, who was just all excited. You know, now they're talking about him being an early second round pick. I'm going to take my foot off the throttle on that. I think he's going to be gone, though, by the middle of round uh, three. It's amazing how often that happens in the scouting circles, using these guys right. A guy I'm not sure you can use wrong is Kyle Pitts. I don't know that I've ever seen a tight end like him, and I got hired by the Browns the day after they took Kellen Winslow and Vernon Davis and a lot of these high picks. I don't know if I've ever seen anyone like him. And on the opposite end of the spectrum, a tight end, you happen to have a day three guy that you have a little soft spot for? Well, I mean, if you go back to Kyle Pitts, it, it's not only, you know, people talk about what Kyle Pitts has done on film, and I understand that, but just watch who he's done it against. I mean, if you go to the SEC title game when, they, when Florida played uh, Alabama, Alabama and Nick Saban lined up Patrick Sertain time after time in man coverage against Kyle Pitts, couldn't stop him. South Carolina, South Carolina lined up J.C. Horn, who's a first-round cornerback round against him, couldn't stop him. Georgia's got two terrific tight ends in Stokes and Thompson that are going to be early uh, second-round choices. They couldn't stop them. As far as a, uh, you know, a day three sort of uh, tight end, John Bates out of Boise State, not the fastest guy in the world, but a terrific blocker who's very efficient catching the ball. Trey McKitty out of Georgia did not run last, uh, earlier this week at Georgia's Pro Day. He's going to run uh, on April 7th, I believe. Uh, he's a guy who's a terrific blocker, solid pass catcher, day three pick. Not the fastest guy in the world, but uh, can catch the ball. I like uh, Granson of SMU. I also like Nick Eubanks of Michigan, who early in his career showed a lot of skill. He looks like a power forward on the football. But like we've seen a lot with Michigan prospects under Jim Harbaugh, they just don't seem to develop. They seem to kind of hit a wall, <laughs> yeah. and, and that's it. And, and that's the thing with that's the same thing with, with Nick, Nick Eubanks. He's got size. He's got speed. He's shown some pass-catching hands, but his game fell flat last year. If you get him to develop from where he was in 2018, 2019, you're going to have a real good tight end on your hands. Our guest, uh, Tony Paulina, the Pro Football Network. And uh, Tony, uh, center is an interesting position uh, on day two this year. I don't know if we'll see any take it on day one of the draft. How do you how do you stack the, the center position in this draft? I think Creed Humphrey could actually slide into the late part of round one. Creed mm-hmm. Humphrey of Oklahoma. He's a 312-pound guy, ran 509 at his uh, pro day. He plays athletic football. He's smart. He's heady. I've drawn comparisons to Nick Mangold at equal points in the career when Nick Mangold was a first-round pick uh, by the New York Jets, and a lot of people in the league have agreed with me. After that, Boy, Mangold was one of the best center prospects I've ever seen. Uh, it, it, Creed Humphrey is terrific. Yeah. I mean, Creed Humphrey is, and he's been good for three years at Oklahoma. He probably could have entered the draft last year and would have been the first uh, center selected. Uh, you know, he, he's smart, he's tough, but he's very good on his feet. He would be very good in a zone system where you're asking your lineman to get out front and block. It's a decent, uh, it's a decent crop of centers. Josh Myers of Ohio State is my second-rated center. I uh, have him as a second-round pick. Michael Minette, who gets a lot, uh, who is well liked in the scouting community. I have him as a third-rounder. Trey Hill of Georgia is uh, more of a day-three pick, uh, coming off a slight injury. A guy who 
I thought played better in 2019 than he did in 2020. And a lot of people like uh, Drew Dahlman of Stanford. I didn't mention Landon Dickerson, I think, of Alabama, who a lot of people love. I think on film, Landon Dickerson is a day two prospect, but his medical history is awful. I mean, he, did, he barely played the first three years. He was at Florida State because of injuries. Got injured in, in the uh, semifinal game this year. Uh, and when you, have, when you have a guy that's 340 pounds and can't stay healthy, that's an issue. Yeah, it's a real problem. Uh, what about uh, Kendrick Green of Illinois? I know he played uh, yeah. played some guard this year, but he's played center in the past and uh, tested well. Tested well at his pro day. Yeah, he is a, a big, tough guy. I have him right now as a fourth round guard. You want to move him back to center? That's fine. <clears throat> he's smart. He's uh, very strong at the point of attack. Gets a lot of movement, run blocking. I think right now I actually have him as an early third, uh, an early fourth round choice on my guard board. You want to move him over to center, it's fine. And, and it's, fine. it's funny because I have him ranked ahead of another guard center type of uh, lineman in Jack Anderson of Texas Tech, uh, tall guy, three, uh, six, five, 309 pounds, who had a real good week of practice at the Senior Bowl. And Tony, if the Steelers would miss out on Najee or Javante, is there a 220-pound every down back you like later? I mean, Trey Sermon, Ramonde Stevenson, any of those type of dudes? Mike Trey Sermon, I think he's going to be uh, he's going to be drafted uh, more so in the in the third round. You want if you, you want think his multi- best receiving days are ahead of him. His best receiving days are ahead of him. I, I think his best game overall is ahead of him. Okay. You know, regardless of whether it's receiving or catching the ball. As far as two hundred twenty pound tight backs, I give you two names: Elijah Mitchell, Mitchell mm-hmm. out of Louisiana. It goes about two hundred fifteen pounds, but he's five ten and a half. He's a strong downhill ball carrier who shows excellent short area quickness. He's got a teammate by the name of Trey Ragus. Louisiana is going to be dread. Both of those guys are fifth, sixth-round picks. And then let's go back to another Michigan guy. And I have no affinity for Michigan. I'm not an alumni or anything, but I'm going to mention his name. <laughs> Chris Evans. Uh, Chris Evans is a, is a kid who, in 2018, looked phenomenal. I mean, just showed flashes of brilliance. Sat, sat on the sidelines in 2019 because he was academically ineligible, came into the season, was given second-round grades by scouts because they liked him so much uh, in 2018. They expected big things from him. Was basically hot and cold, as was the entire Wolverine offense last year. Again, like Nick Eubanks, the tight end from Michigan, Chris Evans is a guy that's got an abundant amount of upside. It's just tapping into that upside as a 5'11", 219-pound back with outstanding quickness and getting him to play at the level he's capable of every, uh, he's capable of on an every-down basis, you could have a steal there in the six-round area. Well, Tony, we could keep you all day, but I know that uh, you have plenty of other stuff to get to, and, uh, but we do appreciate you stopping by, and hopefully uh, we do get to see you at the Combine next year uh, to, uh, to catch up in person. But our guest has been Tony Pauline here on The Drive. Uh, I'm Dale Lally. He's Matt Williamson. We also want to thank Jacob Breck for keeping us on the air throughout this segment. And we want to thank you for listening to this edition of The Drive on Steelers Nation Radio. is The Drive with Dale Lally and Matt Williamson on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome back to The Drive on Steelers Nation Radio. I'm Dale Lally here with Matt Williamson, and we are pleased to be joined now by, uh, well, 
I'm not going to say he's the newest member of the Steelers uh, because he's been with the Steelers, but he's been one of their big uh, free agent signings in this offseason uh, as we uh, now know it, and that will be uh, starting uh, offensive tackle Zach Banner. Zach, how are you doing? Dale, Matt, thank you guys for having me, man. This is awesome. I'm really excited. and Honestly, had a really good workout today, and life is good, man. The sun's out in Pittsburgh. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, you mentioned you're working out, and I know a lot of fans are, are interested to know where you're at in your rehab. Of course, uh, going down, you went down with that ACL tear. It's been, what, seven months now? Yeah, it has, man. Um, we're looking, just so you guys know, uh, had a conversation. This is, you know, this is more of a, hey, general understanding, high hopes, as long as everything keeps going as it's going, I mean, looking back, I've been running. I've been uh, start cutting soon, start doing things soon. I've been already doing football-specific movements, um, strengthening the knee, putting strengthening the muscles around the knee. Everything's been going really, really well. Um, got double-checked during free agency by a second opinion um, out on the West Coast, and a very, very high-profile doctor who, but, you know, felt my knee and moved it in certain different ways and looked at it and said, Zach, this doesn't feel like a six-month knee. This feels like a nine-month knee. Just keep doing what you're doing. But at the same time, we have to be smart about the joint and we have to be smart about the medical side about it and let that let that new joint and everything mature. Um, but we're looking at being fully back in nine weeks. To sum that out today. Wow, that's uh, that's great news for, for not for just for you, but for the Steelers as well. Uh, sounds like uh, assuming that we have some kind of uh, mini camp this year, you could partake. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that's the plan, and just staying optimistic from there. But let's say we get there from nine weeks from now, right? Like you said, that's mini camp time. That's usually around there. Um, if things just—I don't want to say look south or things slow down or we need a couple more weeks. The biggest thing is being ready to produce during camp and during the season. You know what I mean? And it feels it feels really good because I've been feeling the love and feeling the you no know, the welcomeness is really isn't really a word, but you know what I'm trying to say. Um, arms wide open at the facility for a, a year or two now. Um, the support from the coaching staff for a year or two now. Um, it's gradually built up more and more. So having that love on paper now. Um, kind of just allows me to settle down, stay out here for the rest of the off season, and um, just kind of just move in the direction of focusing on myself and picking up the guys around us because we need to work. You know what I mean? And, and it's really about the team. It's not about me. And I need to be ready to produce for my team. So how that works is staying on track with everything I'm doing, being optimistic about you know being a couple months out, but at the same time, the best thing I can do is protect myself and keep doing what I'm doing. Zach, Marquis oh, uh, Pouncey is retired. Uh, Al Villanueva probably won't be back with the team. I mean, most likely, who knows? Stranger things have happened. But I'm just curious, what kind of effect did those two men have on you on the field, off the field, in the O-line room? They were big presences, huh? Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to be real, man. Like, Pounce, from a leader's standpoint – but also like a work standpoint, like Pouncey and I, um, alongside with a couple other consistent guys like Jordan Dangerfield, um, are usually the first three 
in the building in the morning. Um, and that's not to like, that's not to like, you know, crap on other people's work ethic because mm-hmm. when we we get in there early, that just means we get out earlier later, if that makes sense. So there's guys who like to get their workouts in the afternoon, but being there with him in the morning and like feeding off that vibe and energy, that energy is a work energy. And you, it's not so much about a vocal. Does that make sense? And what he says, it's what he does. And I've learned that from him. So putting that, putting that energy and time into work and living at the facility has taught me to not only take my game to the next level, but adopt that mid-year vet type leadership to where let other people feed off your energy while they see you work. And you guys know me. I mean, I am a little bit more vocal than others, but it's not so much about, you know, correcting people or changing things. It's, It's about being the energizer bunny for the, not only the offensive line, but for the team. And then you talk about Al, I would have to say from a tackle standpoint, um, a lot of individual work with Al has mentored me, especially him being a big guy just like me. But also other life things, man, like the reading a lot and like educating myself and like, you know, taking pride in reading news and, and, and having a life outside of football that supports football, if that makes sense. And let's honestly, since we're giving shout outs, let's talk about the other two vets that have given me, you know, huge wisdom on and off the field is Ramon Foster, obviously. Like, he's just, like, when he left, that kind of took the other half of the spirit of the room. Does that make sense? Like, I brought in one half and he brought in the other. And we were, you know, just two vocal big guys that like to have fun and build relationships. I mean, he's the one that taught me to believe in myself. Because as you guys know, you've been here in Pittsburgh a very long time. He was able to do that for so many years and, and believe in the, like, believe in what I want to believe in. You know what I mean? And believe in building Zach Banner. And, and how does that help the Pittsburgh Steelers? And that's what his character was for so long. And the last but not least is Double D, David DeCastro, who I was optimistic about playing, you know, next to, um, this last year until I got hurt and things like that. But Double D is – Double D kind of t- – the thing that he's taught me the most is really just, like, staying the path of, like, not diverting myself. Like, you can't get Double D to get a long interview. Like, I don't know if you guys – like, when's the last time Double D was on the radio? You know what I mean? I don't want to crap on him, but that's just not his style. Like, he sticks to that. So I ask him all the time, like, hey, man, do you think, like, what do you think about this? And he's like, bro, if you love it, do it. That was probably the, those four right there um, are, are just probably the biggest mentors I've had on this team, to and, be honest with you. And you just mentioned guys that had been here for a long time. Uh, when you first got to Pittsburgh, did you foresee a day where where you would be re-signing a, a big contract like this? I mean, you would, you were a guy that that had kicked around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, how I feel about this contract is not only, like, I'm floating, man. Like, sometimes, like, I got to, like, these last couple of days, I, I, I'm not going to say I've been acting different, but where I've just kind of been going to work, working out, going to rehab, checking in with the guys that are there, but, like, really kind of sticking to myself with a couple tweets here or there. But I just, it, it seems unreal right now. But at the same time, I'm just going to be honest, like, this isn't the end dream, you know? Um, like like I said, Super Bowls, 
um, Pro Bowls for individual things. Like being a top tackle in the NFL is a dream of mine, but it's going to take work. I got to beat this injury. I got I got to get my game right. I got to put stuff on film. I got to evaluate myself and change my game. It's a work in progress. But at the same time, to answer your question, Mike, did I ever dream about this happening with the Steelers? I did when Coach T brought it up after my first year here in the middle of the season, you know, when he was talking about make yourself a guy here. And then I came back and played jumbo tight end all that next season. And then I came back and, you know, started the season after that. I, I feel the progressions in my game. And that humbles me enough to keep working towards that goal of like, like I said, I idolize how Pounce comes in and people feed off of his, his work ethic and his effort and his passion for the game. I could, did not see myself, obviously, when I was going from team to team of doing that in a Pittsburgh Steeler uniform, but I've always told myself waking up, going to workouts early in the morning, losing weight, eating right, doing all that things, all those things to help rebuild um, my career, I will say that those things in itself have – I've always dreamed about this. I just didn't dream about it in a Pittsburgh Steelers uniform. Our guest, uh, Zach Banner, of course, Steelers offensive tackle. Uh, Zach, you, when you come to the Steelers organization and, and you're an offensive lineman – uh, you mentioned some of those guys, uh, you know, Ramon Foster, Matt Filer. These are guys who are undrafted and and work their way into a starting position. Is that is that something that, that you know, coming into this organization, you look at and go, okay, they don't seem to care where they get these guys from. They just want to they they just put the best five guys on the field. Yeah, and that's a, and that's that's uh, that's the first thing Coach T told me when we first got here. I know you probably heard him say that before in his interviews. We don't care where you came from. You know, that's, that's like, we don't care how you got here. We just care about you being here and how you can help us. You know, that's a typical thing. I, I've kind of been living by that motto, but also just kind of learning from my past mistakes, man. Like some of, some of my biggest regrets are in college, not getting, not getting, you know, my binge eating and the weight problem handled because I knew I could have been a higher draft pick. And coach T has told me that many times in the early stages of me being here a couple of years ago, he's like, I need you to stop. He, or he, you know, it's not like I talk about it, but it was his way of motivation. He would tell me, he said, you would have been, he said, you would have been a top, a top round pick if you got a, you got your, your crap together, but now you do. So don't live in the past. You know what I mean? Live in the now. <laughs> That's the biggest thing that I've learned from this team and other inspirational guys like Matt, you know, when we lost them just now, like that was probably the closest friend I had on the offensive line, um, him and shoots. Like I, it, it it, I'm happy for the guy, but at the same time, like that life-changing money in whatever form that is individually, that, that like this, I'm very, very grateful for this contract. I really am. But this still is, a let, from an individual standpoint, I got to prove it, right? And I got to prove it for the next one. But that life-changing money that him and Mike Hilton and Bud Dupree and all that type of stuff, like that is obviously a, a dream in the middle of my list especially like individual goals and team goals like that's in the middle of my list it's always been a dream since i was a kid zach last thing i have for you is can you tell our listeners a little bit about adrian clem the, the new offensive line coach absolutely I'm, I'm um in the past like my development in these past two years is a huge chunk to him because mm -hmm. 
uh, people don't understand head offensive line coaches are really like not only are they handling the whole offensive line but they're so deep into week by week the scheme and the run game and the pass protections and stuff like that they don't really get to work with developmental guys like i was when i first got here my individual game shoots um kevin dotson being so successful in his first year other guys stepping up and filling in for roles and things like that, their development, like J.C. Um, Hassenauer and, and, like, a bunch of the th- times you see and you see those flashes and also some of the consistencies of keeping vets maintaining their game during Pounce's last couple of years and the other guys. Like, a lot of that individual work came from Clem because he was the one that had to do that when he first got here work with guys on their pass sets, work with their individual game. So that's one thing that I'm very, very excited because from a technique standpoint, he takes a lot of pride in that. Now, when it comes to scheme and things like that, I'm excited about this whole offense. I want to kind of take the pressure a little bit off the Clem because that's that's Canada's job to be able to spread it amongst Faulkner, him, you know, Ike, everybody. But when it comes down to, like, our offensive line needs to get better we need to get better. Like we know that not only like as individuals, but as a unit and for us to step up, especially um, this off season and going into an off season that might be virtual. It might not. We, we have no idea because of COVID and the NFL PA and the NFL, but I wouldn't like, I wouldn't want to go into any other off season like this with this kind of challenge as a team with anybody else other than Clem. And that's why they did the interview process. They checked out other coaches. You know, we met them, and we met with people and stuff like that. And the, the, at the end of the day, that's the decision that Coach Tomlin made, and it, I, I support that decision 100%. Zach, uh, we, uh, um, I talked to you, uh, I believe we may have chatted a little bit in the, in, in, in the summer, uh, and I, I mentioned that I talked to some people within the organization, and they viewed you as a potential left tackle candidate. Uh, did they give you any indication when, when you signed your new deal, whether you'd be on the right side, the left side? How's that going to work out? Man, it, at the end of the day right now, I really don't care about which side. And, no, to answer your question, no, they haven't given us any too many directions in that. But, like, at the same time, like, they've had conversations about who is who and who is that. And, you know, like, in protection of – being able to talk to you guys so Bert doesn't take away, you know, my, I'm not allowed to discuss depth chart. But we need to we need to acknowledge that we have a great upcoming talent like Chooks. You know what I mean? He wants to get better. He wants to do those type of things, and he's in there every day with me in the in the morning, going through the late morning, and sometimes in the early afternoon. Like we're spending many hours at the facility, you know, developing our game, getting stronger, getting faster. Um, I'm getting healthy. He's getting better. Um, whoever we add to the tackle department, you know what I mean? And hopefully, I hope Al comes back. Um, I, I don't want to lose him. You know what I mean? Like, if we're going to be honest, that's just me publicly saying that. But, like, we all understand that there's a business, and we're going to be ready to fill in at wherever we are. The bottom line is, is I'm one of 64. I'm, I'm one of 64 starting tackles in this league. So, with that being said, I really don't care what side it is. And at the end of the day, whatever side we both, you know, are, are put on or whatever side I'm put on, I want to produce at a high level. And that's all that matters. Like, if I go to right tackle, it's not because I sucked at left. It's because it's, it's, it's just that's the way it is. And I, I don't mind that at all. 
there's a lot of guys who make great careers at right tackle. Absolutely. And uh, one last thing here, they did get uh, the Steelers did get your former uh, inc- your former and current teammate. You guys were teammates at SC, and uh, of course, still teammates with the Steelers. Juju Smith-Schuster under contract uh, for the 2021 season. What does that mean for this offense? I know, like, I know that this team needed that. We we needed that because it's it, it's a guy in the locker room that is also another energizer bunny. Depending on how he plays and the attitude that he brings in every day, and that's always energetic you know what i mean that's always wants to produce at a high level when he catches the ball he wants to run somebody over when he catches the ball he wants to score he wants to block he wants to do all those type of things and the bottom line is is i know juju he wants to stay in pittsburgh just like i do like we love it here you know what i mean um for different reasons both of our careers kind of i i would have to say the best part of my career started here in pittsburgh because of Pittsburgh itself, and I know he feels the same exact way. Um, it's almost as if I was like an imaginary draft pick, you know what I mean? Because we're 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 in the same class, and I was drafted, and I was drafted by another team, and being on an active roster the whole time, it just it feels that way. It doesn't feel like I played anywhere else. So I wouldn't want anybody else here um, at the wider wider wide receiver position to fill in for his spot. You know what I mean? And I know that's how the rest of the team feels. So I'm super ecstatic that he's back. My guy, my college teammate, um, love him to death. He he deserves everything that he's earned and what he's going to get, too, in the future. Well, Zach, we appreciate your time. I know you're busy. Uh, had your uh, workouts today. I'm sure you got some more stuff <laughs> to get to today. But uh, we do <laughs> want to thank you for dropping by. Uh, that was uh, Steelers offensive tackle Zach Banner. Uh, one of their big free agent signings of this offseason. Uh, Zach, we'll uh, catch up with you again soon. Hopefully we get to see you in person soon. Yeah, yeah, I hope so too, man. And Dale and Matt, thank you guys for having me, and God bless. Talk soon. All right, we'll see you. That was, of course, again, Zach Banner, uh, Steelers offensive tackle. Uh, good young man. Yeah, uh, great. You know, has worked hard to get to where he is at here with the Steelers, and uh, we appreciate him dropping by. We don't often get players. On no, the drive, except the training camp. camp. Training, training camp, camp, we get we some do, guys. Yeah. Mini camp as well. Mini camp as well, yeah. But uh, it's always nice to catch up with players. Haven't gotten much of a chance to do that uh, in the past year uh, because Very of the situation. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I wanted to touch Matt on a couple of things that he said there in, in terms of the where he's at in his rehab. That's that's. Uh, uh, that's a big deal for the Steelers if he's able to be out there for minicamp. No question. I mean, especially if he's going to have to be practicing on, you know, you also mentioned the left-right thing. Is Chuk's going to be the left? Is Banner going to be the left? Who knows? But they're very different. I mean, it's a, a, you want him to be settled in a spot as early as possible, and his health is the obstacle there now. I mean, now he's under contract. Yeah, absolutely. So if they can get him out there for minicamp, that, that is a big, a, yeah. a big, big deal. And that's the thing with ACL injuries now. They're not the, the, the two-year process that they used to be. No, the Kajana Carter, you know, things have come a long way, obviously. And, yeah, it sounds very, very encouraging. He's working hard. Yeah. Um, also interesting that he noted that both he and Chooks have been in the facility on a daily basis working mm-hmm. out and, and getting better. I know people are looking at uh, – here's the thing. You know, I've gotten a, you know, a lot of uh, feedback on – well, Chooks was awful last year. Chooks was this. Chooks, his first year as a starter. Yeah, I thought he did fine. You know, right. you know guys are allowed to get better. Without question. <laughs> I mean, that was the deal with him coming out of school, too. You knew it was going to take a little bit of time. Yeah, but there were people that had him highly rated in that draft. Oh, including, sure. Including our friend Tony Pauline, I might add. Uh, no, yeah, he did, didn't he? And, you know, it takes time. I mean, there, there were first – it wasn't that long ago. I can think back 
you know, Eric Fisher was considered a bust. Right. Very now, right. all of a sudden, Eric, you know, the Chiefs get rid of Eric Fisher, and it's like, oh, my God, what are they going to do at left tackle? I mean, look at the way you know, Bud Dupree progressed year after year after being a high pick with a lot of tools. You know, some of these guys, it takes a little while. I thought he played more than fine, to be honest with you. I mean, and I think the best football's ahead for Chooks. Yeah, I think so as well, and I think the best football's ahead for Zach Banner as well. Uh, and you heard, of course, uh, him talk about the, the Steelers re-signing of uh, Juju Smith-Schuster yeah. as well. Um, I forgot the USC connection there. Yeah. Too. yeah. Uh, they were teammates at SC, now continuing to be teammates here with the Steelers. And, uh, you know, I, I think for that offense, um, in, in some ways, keeping that nucleus of receivers together. Um, oh, I think it's good, yeah. Yeah, I mean – could they have? Would they have been a good offense moving forward if Juju had gone elsewhere this year? And, and yeah, because Claypool, Probably, Clay, right. again, D, Claypool and Deontay Johnson have aren't what they can be yet. Oh no, absolutely. And, and same yeah, with James Washington. Washington. I think I think yeah. James Washington, but it gives them nice depth there. That you know, it's a heck of a four receiver set. Yeah. There's there's something for the stability and the timing and the same quarterback coming back. And in the end, I just think he was a bargain financially, Juju. You know, I mean, that that was just a. Uh, an offer that they had to take. I mean, because what you're getting there is a player that's worth more than what you're actually paying them. Right. So, you know, I, I think when you look at it that way, uh, you know, the Steelers defense obviously going to undergo some changes um, this offseason. Uh, but the offense, other you know, other than the offensive line is going to come back essentially intact. And, of course, you're going to probably add a running back to the equation mm-hmm. at some point. Yeah. So. Um, it needs an influx of talent. You know, and they've been heavily defensive-oriented in terms of draft lately, and this year will probably change a little bit. Yeah, probably will. Uh, but we're going to take a break. He is Matt Williamson. I'm Dale Lally. Uh, you've been listening to The uh, the Drive here on Steelers Nation Radio. We want to stop. We want to thank uh, Zach Banner, our special guest, for stopping by and having a chat with us there. We also want to thank uh, Jacob Breck for keeping us on the air and keeping Zach on the air, which was always a plus. And uh, we want to thank you for listening to this edition of The Drive on Steelers Nation Radio. This is The Drive with Dale Lally and Matt Williamson on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. the drive i'm dale lolly here with matt williamson and matt uh usually at this time we do a uh, mock draft and we're going to do a mock draft we're going to take a little time to to talk about everything that's transpired this week and how that affects our mock draft for the steelers yeah i mean the obvious news and it broke right before we went on the air is juju's now a stealer a one-year deal and Steven Nelson probably won't be a probably stealer. won't be. I mean, is not demanding a trade, but is seeking a trade, and they gave him permission. I mean, I guess that's what we know at this point. Um, we don't exactly know how the salary cap's going to shake out to get Juju under there. Or, well, I think that's why Steven Nelson is seeking a trade because right. it's, he, again, they save eight point two five million by not having Steven Nelson on their roster, mm-hmm. and they signed Juju Smith-Schuster for right about that same money. Right, and, so and there are some other things they could do, the Tuits and Ebrons yeah. and Bozes and all these guys too. Um, but 
for the sake of the mock, I think we have to kind of go at it shorthanded. Like, you don't count on Nelson, but you also can't factor in a draft pick that you get back for him or whatever, too. Right, you we can't I mean? do that yet, yeah. You know, if, if, do you think they could maybe get a third? I think ideally they'd like to get a third. I yeah. think if it if you know if it has to be a four or a f- even a five, because five seem to be the going rate for veteran players. But I yeah. think you can do a little bit better than that. I think you'd like to. I would think several teams look at Nelson as not only an upgrade but an obvious starter and not a crazy number. You know, you're not trading for yeah. a massive contract. He's still 28. I mean, it's not like he's in over the prime. hill. Yeah, I think a third isn't unrealistic. Yeah, it's so probably the best case. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at it, uh, if you look at the the, the defensive back market. Um, corner was not a strong position in this no, year's, right, right. You know, in this year's free agent market. Um, you know, if you, this is different as well than the wide receiver market. Oh, much because cornerback, rookie cornerbacks struggle. Right. So and, you could say, well, we're just going to go draft one in the first or second round and plug him in. Well, okay, but he's going to get picked on. I mean, last year's rookie crop got abused. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that Akuda and Henderson and all those guys are be bad players. It's just a rough position to transition to. Yeah. Partially because all the receivers are going to pretty darn good, too. Right, I mean, but I mean, you're getting more of a finished product yeah. here with Steven Nelson, so I think that would be worth a it, little bit more. If I was a contender or not even a contender, I mean Dallas. I'm just the teams that need corners that you can trust yeah. is a premium. Absolutely. So I got our mock ready to go here on the Pro Football Network. Our pick is up at number 24. We've got three offers, the first being from the Bengals. We're going to reject that. Yeah, we don't like them. Uh, the Buccaneers are on the phone. They were offering pick 32 and 64 for pick 24 and 253. I would say yes to that. Uh, we also have an offer on the board from the Rams, and the Rams are offering one pick this year. It's 57 and a bunch of second, and, and, second and two-thirds next year. Mm-hmm. That's great, but I want to preface this draft by I think – I'm at least going to look at it differently in terms of needs. I mean, I don't think a receiver is in the mix this draft, but corner goes way up the list, and that's not a knock on Justin Lane. Maybe they love Lane and Pierre. So I, I just don't know that, but I, we'll see. But I may have a harder time going running back with my first pick with the need changes. Yeah, I think it does change things a little bit. And, you know, some people may look at this, well, boy, you're wasting. This is a great year to take wide receivers, and you're wasting that year. Every year, the Every last year. three years has been a great re- year to take a wide receiver. I think that's a, a they've done it four years in a row and been really successful. I think it's a position two, right? that you look at and go, okay, we could not take a wide receiver this year, get one next year, plug him right in, and he, can, you know, yeah, right, right, right. They're always there for you at this yeah. point, and they've had great success doing it. Yeah, run it back with the four you have. I'm looking here at the trade offers. I canceled the other two, um, focusing on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Okay. We're going to do business with the Buccaneers. Now they're offering thirty-two and sixty-four for twenty-four and two fifty-three. Mm-hmm. I wonder if we can get them to sweeten that a little bit. Yeah, we might as well try. Let's, I mean, let's that try. deal in a, in a nutshell, I would be fine with. I, I like picking up that sixty-four pick quite a bit. What if we What if we throw in say two fourteen and try to get one thirty-seven from them? Sure. Let me see if they'll do that. I bet they're going to give you a negative on that. That was declined. Okay. okay, let's try something else and let's counter. What if we give them instead of two fifty-three, we give them two fourteen? They've also got 176 here. Okay. Let's see if we can do that. That was declined. Okay. I'll give it one more shot. Give it one more shot. One more shot Swap here to get something. seventh for their sixth or something. So, okay, let's say 253. Make us feel better. That for 215. Something. They got a 215. Okay, there we go. 
That was declined. All right, All we'll right. Just, let's just take the deal. We'll just take the deal. Yeah, except. All right, we that got rid of our last pick. We don't care about that. Right, right, right. All right, we're up to pick 32 now, and we got three offers for this one. All right. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs are on the phone. They were offering 63.94 in their 2022 second. I'm rejecting that. Um, reject. The Bears won't offer us 83, and uh, next year's first. Wow. <laughs> they could pick really high next year. They could year pick too. really high next year. Yeah, that's tough to pass up, but that might be your quarterback of the future. That might be your quarterback yeah, of the future. The the but draft. it's their their only other offer here is pick eighty three. Yeah. That's too much. That's way it's too much. It's not great radio to do that. But if you could get the Bears first round pick, I would be all years. It doesn't help you this year though, either. No, it doesn't. I'm gonna reject it. Okay. As much yeah. as I much as I hate I give them passing up a first round pick. Right. And they're not gonna win the Super Bowl next year. And Seattle's offering pick fifty six in their second and thirds next year. No. That's just too far to go. I'm going to reject all this. We're going to make the pick at 32. Let's do it. All right, so here are the guys available. Uh, Jalen Mayfield, Tevin Jenkins, Mac Jones, Zayvon Collins, Wyatt Davis, Jason Owa, Greg Newsom, Levi Ozurike, Jalen Phillips, Alex Leatherwood, Baron Browning, Richie Grant, Jay Tufele, Terrace Marshall, Asante Samuel Jr., uh, Ronnie Perkins, Creed Humphrey, Kelvin Joseph. And of course, uh, the at the running back position, yeah. Javante Williams is the last guy standing. I'm not a big Samuel Jr. fan for the Steelers because I think they want to play more man coverage, and he's his own guy. He's a good player. Yeah. Um, some of those tackles are certainly interesting. Here's a question for you: If you're the Steelers now, you have Cam Sutton under contract, mm-hmm. you have Joe Hayden under contract. Are you looking for more of an inside or an outside corner? Outside. See, I think you might want especially wanna, if it's an early pick. I think now that if you you're going to do either. I think if you're going to get rid of Nelson, you might want to take a guy who's kind of like Sutton who can play inside or outside because especially if you like Lane. Yeah, if you like Lane and you and you you know, you like those two guys behind Sutton, uh, Pierre being the other, you don't have another in, inside corner. No. Nelson was your wild card there. Nelson could kick inside in a pinch if let's say Sutton got hurt and he was going to miss so a game or two. It's a middle game or yeah. whatever, right. Yeah. I hear you, but I want a high pedigree, high impact, potential high ceiling corner. Right. Usually that's not a slot. Usually not. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, people pay the premium. Unless you want to go sign a Dory guy. Jackson or something like that, you know. Right. And I guess he's uh, visiting the Eagles as we speak. I just got a blurb on my phone a minute ago. Um, or what if you sign a cheap slot now? Or maybe yeah. you wish Mike Hilton was still out there. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're going to cost him. You can go either direction, which yeah. is the beauty of Sutton. Yeah, he gives you that flexibility. Mm-hmm. And there are guys like him in this draft, the guys there that are. You, know, you look at and say, well, he could be a corner, he could be a, a slot, he could play maybe some safety for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some of those guys. I mentioned one of them here, Richie Grant. He's more safety than corner to me, but he has. He can play history. the slot. He can play the slot. I don't know, who do you like at this pick? I mean, it's funny because tackles are always a premium, and I like Jenkins uh, quite a bit. Um, Zayvon Col- Collins looks pretty – I mean, we're at 32 here. Zayvon Collins would – He might be the best value on the board. be a great value here. You want to try it? We've never done that. We've never done that. Let's, let's go ahead. Let's take Zayvon Collins, okay. linebacker out of Tulsa. Couldn't be any more different than Bush, but gives you a lot of athleticism in the field, a lot of options. Yeah. Um See how this works out. Okay, we're back at 55 again now. And the, the, the Vikings are on the phone. They're offering 78 
and 90 for 55 in our 2022 seventh round draft pick. I think you take that. Now, we have 64 coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that would give us 64, 78, 87, 90. See, that sounds like a running back, two offensive linemen, and a corner. Yeah. Um, now let me see what the other – we have another offer as well. The other offer is – ooh. The Seahawks are offering 56 and 129 for 55 and 244. It's not bad either. We only move back one spot, and we, we move up 100, 100 spots. That's pretty that appealing. From that seventh round. Yeah, Those I think both, you take that. Well, let's take a – first, before we do anything, let's look and see who's available. Okay. Jay Tufele, Asante Samuel Jr., Davian Nixon, Rondell Moore, Liam Eikenberg, Javante Williams. Do we think Seattle would take Javante Williams? Yep. You think that's who they want to move up for? I mean, I don't know that. They could. I mean, Eikenberg's appealing. Yeah. Aaron Robinson available. Aaron Robinson's a good corner, too. Yeah. Uh, Deontay Brown, Michael Carter, Amon Ross St. Brown, Jordan Smith, Elijah Moore. Elijah Molden would fit into that Cam he Sutton He would be the mold. slot, safety, yeah. all the above. I mean, he's Cam Sutton. Maybe better. Probably more athletic. Yeah. Yeah. There's four names there you that I like. So if we just move back one spot, well, as just, opposed to make it, if we make the trade with Minnesota, we're giving up that we're not, we're moving back 23 spots. Yeah, let's move back the one. And even if they take Williams, so be it. Now we are gaining a ni- pick 90, mm-hmm. so we're getting two picks for one this year. Oh, I like and it, trading yeah. our seventh. But I don't care about the seventh. Yeah, ahead. but this year, I mean, if we move back one spot, we get 129. Yeah, we're still fun. getting yeah. premium. Offer. I think that's a no-brainer. I think we take move. that yeah. one. I think we take the Seahawks move. And the Seahawks took Asante Samuel. Yeah, that makes some sense, That too. doesn't hurt us at all. No. The Ravens are now on the phone. We don't do business with the no. Ravens. No. Go away. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> at 56 now, what do we do here? We got we got 56, and then we have another pick coming up at 64. Williams is the easy one. Right. And our history shows that's what we'd like to do. Eichenberg is available. He would fit. awful nice value. Aaron Robinson would fit, would fit well. And I think then we have our conversation. We had Elijah earlier, Molden. Molden versus Robinson. I think we just mentioned four guys there that we would take. I like all four, right. And there's seven picks before we pick again. So which one of those guys. We'll probably get two. Which one of those guys. Yeah, right. I think because Williams is the last running back. that. Yeah, that's that, what I was leaning towards as well. Yeah. And we already have Zayvon Collins in the hopper. I mean, it'd be nice to get Eichenberg here, but that, if sure. we take Eichenberg here, we probably don't get Williams at 64. Probably not. If we take Eichenberg here, we don't get Williams at 64. We don't, vice, we don't get one of those two guys at 64. If we, if but we, I bet we get two of these four. Right. And the corner conversation can be made for us. Do we take the slaughter? We want the outside right. guy. Yeah. We'll take who's left. So we take Williams here? Yeah. Okay. It's a good start. Pick is Javante Williams. Wow, that's a great deal. Yeah, I said right. the same thing to you last night. I did a, a mock draft on another website, mm-hmm. traded back, and this was the same. This I, I took Collins, Collins, and Williams. Right. Like, and I, I don't need, I don't even care what else I do after that. Yeah, I, mean, I know <laughs> Williams' stock is soaring, and and he's a top forty player on a lot of these boards and all those things. But he's still a running back. He's still a running I mean, back. Running backs fall. That's not that unrealistic. Uh, our pick is up at 64. The Raiders are on the phone. They're offering 69 in the New England's 2022 fifth-round draft pick. That's eh. that's not enticing. That's, I don't care about New England's pick. Right. Detroit it wants to offer 72, 60, uh, 72 in their 2022 third-round draft pick for 64 and 140. I don't like that deal. No, I don't love it either. We're going to make the pick. Okay. So here's what we got at 64. Uh, the, actually, the, we'll go through the picks here that were made. Rashad Weaver went at 57 after Good. we took. Rondell Moore went. Good. Uh, 58, Deontay Brown at 59, Michael Carter at 60. Great. The Bengals took Eichenberg. 
As they should. Yeah. They, <laughs> right. Here's the fly in the ointment, though. Packers took Spencer Brown at 62. So the tackles the are falling. The tackles are, draw, are drying up. Uh, Davian Nixon went at 63. So we've got. So I think we take one of those two corners. One of those two we corners. Didn't get the decision made for us. Yeah. Uh, so you're looking here. The top corners available. Aaron Robinson, Elijah Molden, Eric Stokes available. I like the Georgia. first two better than Stokes. Yeah. But Stokes at 64 in a nutshell isn't bad. No, no. I, I kind of lean towards Molden a little bit more because he gives you that flexibility. I mean, I like Robinson. Don't I get do me too. wrong. I think Robinson's skill set's harder to find. But I also think because Lane's in the equation at least. And if they trade Nelson, it's – and if they – that's a, a vote of confidence for Lane. Yeah. I mean, if they thought Lane couldn't play at all, they would make they would not. Yeah, they Nelson. would not do you that. You know what I mean? Sutton can play both. Molden will figure out some role for. Let's take him. Take him, Molden? Yeah. Okay, I like that pick. That gives us all kinds of flexibility in the secondary. In the... Right, right, right. He could play some safety if need be. You know, you got He a lot fills of that Sutton role because Sutton's now a starter. Exactly, exactly. You know, so you need Sutton's going to be in your lineup 100% of the time. He is. And now Molden takes over that Sutton role of, okay, he can play some safety for you, he can play the slot, he can play on the outside. Molden versus Lane is your third, is your nickel. Yeah. Is, you know, and you know Sutton can do both. Right. All right, we're back up again at 87 now. Uh, the Texans are on the phone. The Texans are offering pick 120 in their 2022 third-round draft pick for 87 and 214. I'd love to get their third. It could be there super early, but yeah. no thanks. The Jaguars are on the phone. This one's interesting. They're offering 106 and 113 for 87 and 214. Ooh, I like that. Let's see who's available. Yeah. All right. So, uh, overall talent, Walker Little available. Ooh, that's yeah. hard to pass on. Dwayne Eskridge, Hunter Long. I think this has to be an offensive lineman. Quincy Roche, Jamin Davis available. Well, we already oh, took well. we already right, took yeah. uh, Deontay Smith. Okay. Uh, Davis. Walker Little would be a really nice project. Quinn Miners available. He would be fine as well. <laughs> I don't. I like that offer. I think I got to take Walker Little. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I, I think uh, we pick again. Um, where are we? We should have another. I mean, this has to be an offensive lineman, and if we took this trade, I'd probably try to get a center and tackle going forward. But Walker Little to me has Pro Bowl potential. Yeah, let me let me see here. Uh, so if we took Jacksonville's offer, we we don't pick again right now until one twenty eight. Mm-hmm. If we take Jacksonville's offer, we get one hundred six and one thirteen, and one twenty and one twenty eight. That's awesome. But if we love Little, I think you take him. What centers are available? Well, I think, you know, when you look at the center position, it's Miners, Trey Hill, Drake Jackson, Manet, mm-hmm. uh, Drew Dahlman, who I've kind of started to warm up to a little bit. He's not bad. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, you got our boy Kendrick Green is still available. Hmm. I, don't, I think I take Little. I love the trade downs. Don't get me wrong. James Hudson available, too, by the Interesting. way. Interesting. And the East Carolina guy was there too, right? Yeah. Davis. Will, will there be a tackle of that group and a center that long down the road? If you think there are, I'm cool with the deal. We haven't looked at defensive tackle though either. I know, but I, we haven't drafted an offensive lineman. That's true. We have five uh, offensive linemen on our team that we. <laughs> uh, that's scary to me. True enough. 
True enough. All right. I, uh, so you like Walker Little at the I best do. of that group? All right. So Walker Little is the pick at 87. Okay. And now we wait. Now we wait. I mean, I think we're focused on D tackle and center. No, we've got back to back picture at 128 and 129. Yeah, that's we nice. do have that. So um, the top guys available. Uh, you're looking at Shakir Brown. We took a corner already. We don't need to do yeah. that. Bobby Brown. I like Bobby Brown. Paulson Adebo, another cornerback. Keith and Taylor. He would be the different type of ta- yeah. corner. Keith Taylor, Sean Wade. So there's, there's. Yeah, Wade's not what we need. Defensive anymore. backs. Os- uh, Osa Odegizua. Yeah. Uh, James Wiggins, a safety out of Cincinnati. Trey Hill, the center out of Georgia. Okay. Uh, Dikembo Ogundeje out of uh, Notre Dame. I don't think he fits necessarily mm. in this defense. Robert Rochelle. Interesting. Interesting. Cam Sample, the defensive tackle out of Tulane. Shai Smith, the wide receiver out of uh, South Carolina. Drake Jackson still available. I'm not a big Jackson fan. No, I'm not either. I'm, I'm not loving what, what's the center situation didn't work out so well. Well, let's take a look. Uh, Kendrick Green is still available. Oh, I think you take Kendrick Green. Um, yeah, I, I was kind of leaning towards a Debo and getting doubling up on corner, but I'd feel a lot better that a couple picks from now after let's, I have Kendrick Green. Let's take Kendrick Green. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so Kendrick Green at 128. We have that another pick. Well. I like another it. pick at 129. What? Uh, you know, I, <clears throat> I think when you start looking at this, uh, I mean, the, a lot of these guys available are positions we've already taken. I'm sure Monty Rice and you know, yeah. the, the offensive tackle. We usually go that direction around this neighborhood. I think and maybe it, now is when you get a look at that defensive tackle position. Yeah, you mentioned two or three tackles that were interesting, defensive tackles. And um, I know we took a corner, but I would think about Adebo from Stanford, too, because he's the long outside-only guy. You got Bobby Brown. Like you got uh, Ogan Deje, Cam Sample, Jalen Twyman, uh, Marvin Wilson, Darius Stills. Is a little bit different shape than those other two guys. We had a good conversation with Tony, Tony Pauline. He brought up Marvin Wilson as just a kind of needs a kick in the butt. Cam kicks butts. <laughs> you know, like you know who else is still available right now? It's Milton Williams. Yeah, does he fit? He's kind of Mondo-ish. A little like, bit, way, but way he's a way, 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 way higher upside. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Like he may run down on kickoffs, is what I was getting at. Or, oh yeah, right. I mean he he blew it up yesterday at his pro day. And when's our next pick? We don't pick again now after this until one forty-ish. Hmm. Let's take a D tackle. I mean, Milton Williams is 6'4", 280. So he probably will be 290 before he knows it. Oh, yeah. 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 He's not nose-ish, but who cares? I, I don't think they care. I don't think they care. I think uh, – I, I like that pick. I think you look at him. I think you look at Twyman there. Um, what, I mean, look, I know 40 times don't mean anything, but look at Twyman's versus Williams. Well, I know. <laughs> you know I know. I mean? I'm not taking Twyman ahead of him. Okay. I would consider a Wilson or the A&M kid over him just because they're big and powerful, but none of them move like he does. Right. He's just a little di- built a little differently. Yeah. Let's take him. Okay. Milton Williams is the pick. We're taking First a little, time we've had little sleeper. Yeah. yeah. All right. We're back up at 140. The Chargers are offering us 159, 197, and 239 for 140. Interesting. We've made a lot of picks, though. We have. Um, we don't need a lot of things at this point. I mean, uh, we got two picks left. We got one forty, and then we pick again at two fourteen. 
Are you out on wideouts? I kind of am this year. Yeah, I, I feel yeah. like they can. You know, if they add somebody there, that's fine. But it's fine. not. It's not a necessity. Um, I think you still have to add an edge. An edge would be nice. If you add another corner, that wouldn't be bad. Six foot developmental corner. A tight would end be, wouldn't be bad. Right. You know, there's there's some. You know, I think you could add if you if you made those picks, you would be drafting guys who could probably make your team. I mean, you can always throw a safety in the mix. You can yeah. throw a guard in the mix. You, know, you could take another run. Right you know, right. another hit and run right. linebacker that is mm-hmm. going to be a special teams ace for you or something yeah, like that. Battles with Gilbert for a roster spot. Yeah. Or something like that. Um, I think a receiving back is not a terrible idea, or you know, even a wide out. I lean more towards quality over quantity at this point, considering what we have in the bank. And oh, by the way, you'd hopefully would have had a pick for Nelson too that we haven't talked. We about. haven't talked you know, about. Yeah, we're shorthanded on that. But that's a nice offer. It's a very nice offer. Yeah. yeah if you if you want to get and again, you're not trading down that far. No, you're not. And it's fun to make more picks. Yeah. Uh, but here's what's available. Keith Taylor, cornerback out of Washington. Okay. Uh, Sean Wade still available. Wade doesn't interest me anymore. Yeah. Trey Hill, the center out of Georgia. Monty Rice still available. Uh, Tra- Shai Smith, the wide receiver out of South Carolina. Charles Snowden, uh, linebacker out of Virginia. Drake Jackson, the center out of Kentucky. We have a center, though. Yeah. I'm done on that. Austin Watkins, the wide receiver out of uh, UAB. Uh, Victor Demokeje, edge rusher out of Duke. Cade Johnson, uh, wide receiver out of South Dakota Usually we take him right yeah. here. Right. Divine Diablo, the safety out of uh, Virginia yeah. Tech. Uh, Jalen Twyman. Uh, Chauncey Golston, the edge out of Iowa. Rodarius Williams, the cornerback out of Oklahoma State. Uh, Michael Monet. David Moore, the guard out of Grambling. Dalen Hayes. Shaka Tony still available. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, None of those names are making me do cartwheels, though, to make me say no. William Bradley King. Yeah, I mean, we could trade back here. And And probably get any of those guys. Yeah. One of them. Let's do it. All right. deal. Except. So now we have, what, three more picks? We got four. Four more picks. Four more picks. Okay, we're back up at 159. The top guys available, Trey Hill, Manet, Moore. Wap Filer, Dalen Hayes, Shaka Tony still available. I think they just make the Shaka Tony pick. Yeah, I say, let's see I have the edge. Yeah. So that's not bad. We moved back. No, and right. Still Probably got, got the pick we would have made anyway. Yeah, I think so. We're back up at 197. Now we can just take just about anything here. At this point, we've addressed needs like crazy. Yeah. If there's a – I don't care what position it is. Right. I mean, if there's someone that's better than everybody else on the board – I think he is taken with this one. This is a total luxury pick. Here are the guys available. Cornell Powell, the wide receiver out of Clemson. Okay. DeMonte Coxey, the wide receiver out of Memphis. Malcolm Kuntz, the edge rusher out of Buffalo. Hmm. Uh, Jack Anderson, guard out of Texas Tech. I think that's uh, – we had Tony we, Pauline on earlier today, and he said he can play some center as well. Yeah, I would say he wouldn't be a bad guy to add to the equation. Because then we would have two guys who are center capable that we've added on and the and interior. guard capable. Yeah. Center I like guard that capable. pick. Uh, Tyler Vaughn's a wide receiver out of uh, USC. Elijah Mitchell, the uh, running mm-hmm. back out of uh, Louisiana. Anthony Schwartz out of Auburn. Tamari and Terry, uh, wide receiver out of Florida State. Uh, Bo- uh, Quentin Morris, the Bowling Green tight end. Jordan Scott, uh, the defensive tackle out of Oregon. Derek Barnes, another guy that Pauline uh, mentioned out of Purdue. Yeah, linebacker that was interesting. Paris Ford, the safety out of Pitt. That's not bad either. Um I know he didn't run well, but he would probably make this team. Andy's got some corner background. Not that we neglected O-line, but I think I'm going to use the bonus pick on Anderson. 
Okay, so Jack Anderson, the uh, guard center out of Texas Tech. We got. Yeah. We've now got. That would make some sense because now you've got more. You can't have enough guys who have flexibility to play all three we interior three spots. Now that are guards yeah. and centers on the roster, and we want to work on all of them snapping first of all. But what if the cat? I mean, they might see playing time this year. I mean, absolutely, they're all going to push yeah. each other. You know, I, I like that that equation. Yeah, with the extra pick, you know, yeah. we're back up now at two fourteen. And Quentin Morris, Paris Ford, Dan Moore, Landon Young, offensive tackle out of Kentucky, Israel Mukawuma, uh, Mukuma out of uh, South Carolina, Brawley Moore, uh, tight end out of K State, Marlon Williams, Justin Hilliard still available. Hmm. Would you take him over Paris Ford? Here's another interesting one: Jonathan Marshall, the defensive tackle out of Arkansas. Do we have enough roster spots for defensive linemen anymore, though? I think you're creating some. I mean, we even mentioned they resigned Wormley. Right. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they did resign that all day. Carrie I mean, um, Angeline, Kylan Granson. I don't think Granson fits, but I like him. Um, let's see. Ben Mason, Mustafa Johnson, Chris Rumpf. You're. A, oh, I like Chris Rumpf. Darren Hall, another cornerback there uh, out of uh, San Diego State in a nice mm-hmm. Senior Bowl. Um, I consider a corner that's five eleven plus. I think Paris Ford at this stage is a very good value just to add to the defensive back equation. Special teams as well. Uh, let's see here. This tight end neighborhood doesn't excite me. No, it's tough. It would be um, nice to add a tight end to the mix. I mean, you're looking just, at um, those names you're looking at Quentin Morris, Briley Moore, Kerry Angeline, Kyle Granson, Kylan Granson, uh, Noah Gray, Pro Wells, Sean Bayer. John Bates, uh, Tony Poulter. Yeah, Tony mentioned him. Yeah, Luke Farrell still available if you're looking for a, a, a pure blocker. Okay, the Michigan guy's gone. I guess he he was talking about him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. I mean, that's your last true. That's your last chance. Need. That's just right. you know. You want to take Bates? Okay, we'll take I John. Mean, he probably jo- has as good a chance to make the team as anyone we're listing here. Yeah. Because all of a sudden our roster is starting to fill up. Side note, everyone always gives the Steelers a hard time. They only have X guys under contract next year. Well, we might just add 10 more. Right, yeah. All of a sudden, now you got a whole bunch. Okay, yeah, we'll we'll take uh, John Bates, a tight end out of Boise. I'm cool with that. And I believe, oh, no, we we have one last pick here at 239. This is our last one? This is our last one. Let's just take, uh, okay, guys available. Josh Ball, offensive tackle out of Marshall. Trey Norwood, the safety out of uh, uh, Oklahoma. Des, Des Fitzpatrick, wide receiver out of Louisville. Uh, Chris Tonga, defensive tackle out of BYU. I know we've drafted three offensive linemen, but I took ball in a, a mock I threw up on Twitter after already having a tackle. You really want four on the roster, and maybe he's a practice squad guy or whatever. And Chooks and Banner could be around for a while, though. I mean, yeah. and, and, and Little's obviously ahead of him, but... Developmental tackles with upside this late are never a bad idea. Here's another engine. How about uh, taking the top punter available? Yes. Drew Chrisman, punter really out of Ohio State. what you're doing is taking a million dollars off the cap. Yes. And I think a million dollars is worth the spend. Well, they got, I mean, uh, Waitman is there. And, and, and but you're, bringing in, you're going to bring in competition for him one way or the other. Mm-hmm. In this situation, you'll be getting the guy who you think is the best this competition. Is assure yourself that you have a cheap punter maybe for four years. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know who that name is. You can take whoever you want. Drew Crispin is the top-rated guy here. Okay. So. 
That's the pick. Yeah. We took a punter in the seventh round. We got a I mean, bunch. He, I mean, that, that sounds dumb, but if he hits and you have a seventh-round contract and he's punter your, for four if, if years. He's, and if he's your punter for the next 15 years. Maybe, right. Which happens. I'm just thinking about his yeah. first contract. He's going to be dirt cheap. and have You can spend that money money. elsewhere. Oh, yeah, right, right. All right, so we took at 32, Zayvon Collins. We traded down. That was an interesting move, and it worked out. We took Javante Williams. We traded down again from 55 to 56. We got Javante Williams. Mm-hmm. We took Elijah Molden at 64. That was kind of a bonus pick. Mm-hmm. We took Walker Little at 87. A lot of high upside guys. Offensive tackle out of uh, Stanford. We took Kendrick Green, the guard center out of uh, Illinois. I'd really like to see him be a Steeler. Yeah. Uh, we took Milton Williams, uh, the Not really athletic uh, right. defensive tackle out of Louisiana Tech. A lot of athletes. In the, uh, in the, in the, with pick 129. We pick uh, 159. I mean, real quick, Williams, Walker, Little, Zayvon Collins. I mean, they're extreme athletes for their position. Absolutely, yeah. We, we got really athletic there. We took Shaka Tony. We traded back again and took Shaka Tony in the fifth round uh, at 159. That gave us some additional picks there in, the, in these uh, in round six. Uh, and we took uh, Jack Anderson, the, the guard center out yeah, of Texas Tech. Yeah, I like Texas what we did there with the extra picks. Um, then we grabbed... John Bates, the tight end out of Boise State at 214. Mm-hmm. And then we finished things up uh, in the seventh round by taking Drew Crispin, the punter, out of Ohio State. Nice. And Dan Collins next to Bush. Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting situation I think we got, there. I think, you know, by adding Collins and Williams, you got two immediate starters. Yes. At, at two need positions. Um, I think Shaka Tony is immediately your – Third or fourth. Your third, at least your probably well, right now, probably right your this third. Second, right. Yeah. Um, and then you, you we know, have a project tackle that could hit hit a home run. You got in, a couple of interior offensive linemen who are going to You're right. going see to playing. Just time. add to the mix. Yeah. And a super high upside D lineman. And a cornerback who's going to be in the mix for He's playing. He's kind time. of a starter too. Yeah. No, we did well. Yeah. No, I like that draft. Uh, and obviously, that's much different from what we've done in previous weeks. It is. Because of the situation that has happened. One of my favorite drafts we've done. Yeah. Got a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Um, and be quite frank. I mean, we would have looked at both Zayvon Collins and Javante Williams in the first round at pick 24. 24. Right. Without a question. And we got extra picks to do it. Yeah. No, I'm cool with that. Yeah. So, interesting. But uh, that's going to do it for this show. Uh, so, for my partner, Matt Williamson, for Jacob Recht here on site, keeping us on the air, I'm Dale Lally. We want to thank you for listening to this edition of The Drive on Steelers Nation Radio.